The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, you know, the Scripture is just filled with all kinds of, I'll call it one-liners, these, these short little passages that you need to like take and sit with for a while, kind of camp out on those words and take them to prayer, or as I like to say, sort of chew slowly. And that's really what we get in our first reading that uh, is all the great story of how the young boy Samuel was called to be the mighty prophet of God. And again, we have to remember that Samuel was a little boy. I'm thinking, I'm looking out and I see so many of our, our, our young ones here this morning. I mean, he was a young, young boy. But the high priest Eli had to teach him how to respond to the Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now that's, again, that's a one-liner that you can take with you in prayer and ask yourself, do I really do that? We all hear what God says, (laughs) but are we listening to what God says? And by listen, it means, of course, that we respond and we're ready to move and to go wherever He would would take us, wherever He would show the way. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Well, as I mentioned in the email this week and have communicated to all of you, I asked Laura, our musician, to share her story because this is precisely what has happened to her, that as she listened to the Lord... Uh, He has moved in her heart and and is moving her in a new direction. And this is a powerful, powerful story. And I wanted you all to hear it as well. Because I think you're going to be deeply inspired and encouraged, but also, I know I am challenged by what God is doing in her life. So, Laura, if you come and tell us a little more of your story. Hello, friends. It's good to be with you today, and I'm very honored that Pastor Milky asked me to share some of my story with you. I suppose my story started at age one when my parents moved to Bangkok, Thailand to share the gospel through teaching English and building relationships. But we only stayed in Thailand three and a half years, and church music became the focus of my life as I grew up. When I arrived at Trinity, I was thrilled to be here and really excited to see where it would take me. I've been here three years now, and wow. In all honesty, I really enjoy it. Serving as the director of worship and music has certainly been more difficult than I imagined, but it's been so much more rewarding. 
And more than any church event or liturgical season, I love you all. You've welcomed me here with open arms and truly become my family. And I'm thankful for every worship service and rehearsal I have the opportunity to lead. But the Lord did start to work in me last summer, reawakening in me this desire to serve him cross-culturally as a missionary. I cautiously began to reach out to my friends to see what connections and programs might be open. But the more I investigated mission opportunities, the more strongly I felt at home right here. I love this place so much. And I consider it a tremendous privilege to work full-time in the church, to spend the bulk of my time and energy to lead God's people in worship, to minister in the sacramental presence of Christ, to get paid to go to church. I love the church, and I have grown deeply in my appreciation for Christ's bride through my time here. So why would I ever want to leave? Suffice it to say, I had a lot of inner turmoil last fall. And right in the middle of it, we started the Joining Jesus on His Mission initiative. And wow, the skills I have learned have proved powerful as I've started to engage my apartment neighbors. And I'm praying this journey would encompass all of us and transform the way we live. As you all know, the premise of Greg Finke's program is that each of us would get to know our pre-Christian neighbors and, as we have opportunity, share the grace and truth of Jesus Christ with them. That's awesome. We should all be doing it, and it's really not that hard. But there's a big problem. Suppose we all joined Jesus on his mission. In fact, suppose that tomorrow every single Christian had the opportunity to share the complete gospel message with every single non-Christian they knew. All two billion of us Christians sharing the gospel with every non-Christian we knew tomorrow. Who wouldn't hear the gospel tomorrow? Who would be left out of this kingdom invitation? About 2.7 billion people would be left out. 2.7 billion people wouldn't get a kingdom invitation tomorrow simply because they've never met a Christian. They live in places like India, mainland China, Indonesia, the Middle East, and they have little or no access to the gospel these 2.7 billion least-reached people may think they know something about Christianity thanks to our American media, but they've never actually heard the story of Jesus, who loved people and healed people and transformed lives and announced the kingdom of God in our midst. That's why I want to serve cross-culturally as a missionary. Yes, we all should and must join Jesus on his mission by engaging our neighbors, but we also need to be intentionally going and making disciples of all nations— and not just the nations that happen to live next door to us. Because there are far too many people who live and die without access to the gospel. The particular area of work I want to focus on is called ethnodoxology. Ethno means ethnic, and doxology means praise. So ethnodoxology seeks to help new believers in emerging church cultures to develop their own worship music in their own native musical style. This is in contrast to the old method of taking American praise songs and hymns and just translating them into a foreign language. When missionaries first went overseas, we took songs like Amazing Grace, translated it into, say, Hindi, and gave it to Indian Christians and said, here you go, here's how you worship God, this is what he sounds like. But that doesn't actually work. It doesn't work any better than taking a Hindi worship song with its 22-note scale system 
and translating it into English and saying to all of us here, this is what God sounds like. God's not Western, and he's not Indian either. God created cultures, so he can speak in all cultures fluently. So in ethnomusicology, we study local musical styles to help emerging churches worship God in the language of their hearts. And if you think about it, worship is our ultimate destiny. Why was I or any of us created? Believers in 1647 answered that big life question this way. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I really like that. And I think scripture testifies to that too. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him. My ultimate destiny is to spend the next billions of years around the throne of God. I will fall on my knees with the endless throng and I will cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I will glorify God and I will enjoy him for billions of years to come. In several places in scripture, God promises that around that throne room, every tribe and tongue and language and nation will be represented. We sing about it in songs like, Is He Worthy? From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son. But this glorious promise hasn't come true yet. Right now, out of approximately 14,000 different people groups or distinct ethnicities in the world, about 7,000 probably are left out of that throne room picture currently. No sustainable Christian community exists in these 7,000 least-reached people groups, comprising more than 2.7 billion people. So that's why I want to do this. If I am destined to spend eternity in the presence of my God, then I will go wherever he sends me for the next 50, maybe 60 years of my life I might get here. I'm willing to spend them in a place with less comfort and familiarity than I'd like, surrounded by fewer of my fellow believers than I would like, to see people in new languages and ethnicities, Come to know the presence and love of God that has so transformed me. As for my logistics, we're planning that June 20th will tentatively be my final Sunday at Trinity. After that, I'll travel for a month of training with my sending agency. Then in August, I will be moving to an exotic location, Columbus, Ohio, (laughs) to start a cross-cultural internship with an experienced couple that is doing cross-cultural mission work in Columbus, Ohio, with natives of India. Originally, the plan was for me to move to India this summer to start studying Hindi and Indian classical music in preparation for doing ethnodoxology among the Indian church. But COVID is still making international travel uncertain. So instead, my agency is giving me an internship here in the U.S. so I can start practicing those skills right now. My mentor and her husband uh, live in a tight-knit apartment community that has a large number of immigrants from India, mostly engineers who come over with their families. Columbus is actually full of them. So uh, my mentor and her husband have built many relationships with their apartment community, so I'll be able to learn from their experience and also start studying the Indian language and music. I also plan to work part-time in a school or library and to tutor music and to teach in my apartment community. Before June 20th, I'll be developing my prayer and support team, It will be essential to my survival to have a team of you guys at my back praying for me and supporting me. Also before June 20th, there's the rest of Ordinary Time, then Ash Wednesday, and Lent, and Holy Week, and Easter, and Ascension, and Pentecost, the great holidays of the church. 
I don't know about you, but I plan to enjoy every day of it and have a blast. Finally, let me say thank you to each of you for your love, your prayers, and your commitment to Trinity. Trinity is honestly the best first call I could have imagined. I have many friends in church music, and every time I talk to one of them, I think to myself, I got the better call. Really, I did. This is a nurturing and a healthy church and school. I am really excited for whoever is going to come take my place. And I look forward to returning to Trinity many times in the future to share with you what God's doing around the world and to reconnect with you all. I'm praying that this place will remain my church home for decades. Thank you. It's a really, I mean, it's an overwhelming and powerful and beautiful and compelling story and, and also deeply convicting, I think, if you li- really want to listen to it. Now, I got to tell you, I think she's crazy. <laughs> I really do. I mean, she's taking seriously Jesus' words to leave everything and follow me. And it's going to take her on the other side of the world, Lord willing. That's crazy. I need to share with you, if, if I can just, this is how I've processed this, and maybe it'll help you process as well, my own reflections, and it's actually a confession. Because when Laura first came and she told me this, I said, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. And I really resisted it and because I, I, I so deeply appreciate not only her musical gifts, but who she is as a person and having her here as a sister in Christ and working together with her. And I tried to talk her out of it as best as I possibly could. I said, you know, Laura, you don't realize you have, well, maybe you do, but you don't realize that you have such gifts. Not very many people in this world have gifts to play the organ and lead music and do what you do. Do you realize how few people have your gifts? And she very humbly acknowledged that. She knows she has those gifts, but said, yeah, but not very many people want to go into the parts of the world where I want to go. And so I had to really wrestle with this myself and had to relearn a lesson that I've learned many times in my life, but I'm a little bit slow. I realized that I wasn't listening as the Lord was speaking. And as I was able to confide with a few friends, including my dear wife, who kept saying, God's going to provide, don't worry about it, God's going to provide. And then it was my, my brother, as only little brothers could do, who kind of like gave me the boom right in the face. And when I told him what she was thinking, he goes, that's, com- that's totally awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to have to search for a new music director. And he's like, no, no, don't you understand what she wants to do? We should all want to do that. And it was finally at that point, I'm like, you're right. I'm being selfish. I'm being so selfish. And I wasn't listening to what the Lord is doing. And how he's moving her heart and has great things planned for her, I have no doubt. Which means he also has great things planned for us as well. The Lord, he's in charge. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I want to just tie this very quickly to our gospel reading. Because as you heard, uh, these two disciples, one of them is Andrew, comes to Jesus after John the Baptist points them. And he says, what are you looking for? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And there's a, that's an interesting word there. It's, it's more than just, you know, where are you spending the night? Where are you going to hang out and have dinner tonight? The word there in Greek is to remain, and it's a word that John uses throughout his gospel. Where are you going to remain? And 
There's an irony in that because Jesus never stays put, does he? (laughs) But he always remains. And that's the call of discipleship, right? That, That we aren't supposed to stay put. I mean, I wanted Laura to stay put, stay right here. But Jesus is on the move, as we've heard. And yet Jesus remains. You know, as I look around the church this morning, we have a lot of, of young ones, little, little, little ones, and then others, and many of us are in the, the, the season of life where we're parenting or we're grandparenting and we're trying to guide our children towards career paths and, and launching them from the nest and such. The best thing we can do for our children, <laughs> the best thing every one of us needs to do is to learn what Eli said to Samuel, to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And to ask them, what are you really looking for? Jesus constantly says things like, those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. We can hear what God says, but are we listening to what He says? We can point our attention in His direction, but are we actually seeing what He is revealing to us? So I want to give each of us a moment right now to pray and reflect on this, again, just powerful real-life story of our sister Laura. And I'd ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, if you'd just spend a moment to pray for her and this new adventure and where God will take her. But then also take your own heart to prayer and open it up and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. My eyes, Lord, I'm looking for you. Where would you lead and where would you go? Where would you have me go? And just simply open yourself up to him.